0: Hi, my name is Trish, the Core Behavioral Therapist, and thanks for joining us today. I'm here today with um, Jamaria Blaine. She is a Black or African American author um, and poet. And she was born in Honolulu, Hawaii, and spent the majority of her life residing in North Carolina. Um, Ever since she was a little girl, she's enjoyed the ability of being able to captivate people with her words. She wishes to continue expressing her own truth in her stories. Her book has given her an opportunity to do so. And her book is called Blooming Petals. And right now it's available
1: on Amazon. So how you doing, Jamaria? Hi. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you once again for inviting me on. This is fun. You're um, welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, We recently had a a release
0: party for Jamaria for her book, and it was very exciting. A lot of other women were there to help support, (laughs) and guys too. So that was pretty, pretty amazing. Um, You've also gotten Mm -hmm. a lot of support from, I see, like your friends and church and stuff like that, which
1: is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm surprised, not like in a bad way. I'm like surprised in a good way of how many people were like so open to like sharing it and, like, telling all their friends about it. So that's really sweet. I'm just, like, I'm so grateful for this opportunity and everyone that's just, like, helping me out and supporting me. It's yeah. it's crazy. What was surprising about it? I think, um, I don't know. I think my biggest thing came with marketing, and I was, like, praying to God. I was, like, I don't know how to market myself. I don't know how to, like, get the word out. So I was just... Um, really sure that I was gonna have to do all of it myself. So the fact that so many people like kind of stepped in was just so shocking for me, and I wasn't expecting it. But I'm so glad that it happened. Um, so yeah, it's just really nice to be a part of a community and a family that wants to lift you and like help you out, and that's just been great.
0: Absolutely,
1: absolutely.
0: I'm um, I'm just so proud to to be part of it too to yeah. black authors and black poets and um it's nice to see that poetry is alive
1: and still thriving, you know? Um, anybody need help being a PR, Trish is your girl. Like she's <laughs> she's there for you. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> I appreciate it. Maria, um are you still in school right now? Yes. Yeah, so I'm currently um doing summer classes, taking two summer classes. Um I'll officially graduate um In the spring of 2021. So I'm currently um, in school at Academy of the Art University and I'm majoring in writing for film and television.
0: That is so awesome and and um, what city is that in?
1: In San Francisco.
0: Great that's so great. What's your um, overall aspiration and your dreams? Like what is the final result or the pinnacle besides the book? Like where do you see yourself?
1: Right um I like genuinely just love writing. So I think um, being able to write in different types of forms would just be great. So like continually writing um, poetry. Uh, My goal is to like write some short stories and get that out, write a novella maybe. Um, But I do also see myself since I'm majoring in screenwriting to like possibly work on a web series. Um, There's this really interesting job in San Francisco for like a game story editor. So it's kind of like Um, being able to write short little scripts for this, like, app game for Apple and for Android, and that'd be really cool. So anything that involves, like, writing, I'm just kind of interested in. Um, So I do see um, in the current, like, in the near future to continue publishing books, um, but hopefully moving and navigating to other fields as well.
0: That's so awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I remember you telling me, I'm totally going to call you out, (laughs) a <laughs> long well, time ago, when I met you, you were like, I want to write for SNL one day. <laughs> Is that still what means, or no? Totally called you out on that.
1: I feel like the, it would be such a cool dream to, like, write for SNL because they use, like, all the jokes live. But it's like, do I really, like, the more they think about it, the more I realize that, like, I'm probably more of a serious writer <laughs> than I am a funny writer. So. You never know. You can
0: try <laughs> to jab and everything. You never yeah. Do. Oh, so question. What brought you to write this beautiful book of poetry? And can you tell us a little bit about it?
1: Great. Right. Um, so the idea of the book is like it's written in the perspective of a woman who is um going through this really bad kind of toxic relationship. So the beginning of the book starts off with her Um, realizing that this relationship of her dreams isn't as beautiful as she thought it was. And she's trying to navigate her self-confidence and her self-esteem through all of this. And once the relationship ends, she's like kind of at rock bottom. She's trying to figure out herself away from a relationship. And the ending of the book kind of signifies her finding confidence and esteem within herself, apart from people. So I think the idea of it was kind of, I was always like the girl who had like so many crushes and they were all unrequited. Um, so it was kind of easy to write like the lonely, sad, heartbroken girl. Um, but I think a lot of it was um, me writing based off of like bad friendships even, um, not just relationships, just like, just kind of sad experiences. And it's a lot easier to write write that based on a relationship because it's something that most people can understand and relate to. Um, and I think a lot of this was just, like, uh, kind of a therapy, just getting all those feelings out and being able to capture that emotion of sadness and capture that emotion of pain in ways that I couldn't verbally express to people. And it kind of, like, poetry started out as a therapy for me, just being able to write down the emotion. Because, like, a lot of people don't want to hear that you're sad. They don't want to hear you're upset because they don't understand how to, like, work through that emotion with you nor do you want them to because it's not their burden to bear you know so this was kind of a way for me to get through those emotions and understand them for myself and understand how to walk out of it so um the ending of the book is like a girl who finds confidence based off of you know loving herself but ultimately that was like for me with my own personal experience that was me trying to love myself in moments where i actually hated myself in my past and it was just me learning how to grow from that experience. Um, so the ending of the book is very powerful for me because it's very true to the growth that I had to take when I was younger.
0: That's so beautiful. So basically, um, this writing was very therapeutic for you and it was basically about self-love and finding your inner self-love towards the end. Is that what I'm hearing? Right, right. And it was, in. Um, it was sounds like it was cathartic and healing for you, the work mm-hmm. that you wrote, um, you related, You. Can you tell us more about that? Because I heard a couple of words. You said sadness, loneliness, um, and it sounds a bit like
1: depression a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you- so yeah, um, when I was in, you know, high school's like kind of that rough year for anybody, like yeah. those years, um, and for me, I was really battling with um, losing friendships that I thought that I were gonna last a long time, um, really dealing with my own insecurities when it comes to self-image and comes to self-beauty. And just feeling very isolated and feeling very depressed. Like, I think ninth grade year, I was going through a bout of depression um, and just loneliness. I didn't feel like I had anyone to talk to. And I was always tagged as the more emotional person in my friend group. So I didn't want to give them another reason to call me that, you know? Right. So I definitely turned to writing as that excuse to being able to write my way out of that and just to have a voice and not be judged for it. Um, yeah. And I think through... I want to say through tenth grade through eleventh grade year, I was working on how to build my self image up because it got to a point where I just I hated myself. Like I couldn't look in a mirror. I couldn't enjoy myself because I I just I couldn't stand my image, and it was just so painful for me to like try to find a way to like myself or find anything worthy about myself. Um, and I remember the the thing that broke me through. I remember going to a Christian bookstore and they had this mirror and on the mirror it had Ecclesiastes 3:11. And it says, he makes everything beautiful in it's time. And that was just so powerful for me because it was the first time that I ever saw the Bible so practically. But it was also the first time that I realized I can move out of this. Like there's going to be something beautiful that comes out of this. I know that. And I was just like banking on that word. And I was trying to like use that word to continually motivate me. So the ending of like the poems in the book, which you should definitely buy by the way, um, if you haven't already, (laughs) is like, (laughs) the ending it's like um just me kind of reminding myself of like you you know how to get out of this you can get out of this there is a silver lining even if it doesn't feel like it there is beauty that's gonna come yeah so that's kind of like like you were saying that's the message that i want to give across like loving yourself is so much more important than finding love and validation for somebody else
0: that's so beautiful jamaria um (laughs) a beautiful person inside and out and it's so powerful, <laughs> you said. Um, and you said Ecclesiastes 311, that's what spoke to you. Mm-hmm. So interesting, because in high school, you were going through this, and that, it, it sounds like that's when you picked up a pen, or you, or you started writing everything mm-hmm. um, down because you didn't feel comfortable talking to your friends. Um, can I ask you mm-hmm. if, well, can I ask you why you didn't feel comfortable talking to your friends? I know that you said it, it was because you were sort of labeled as the more emotional person, but are there other reasons, too?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, my question, I basically want to ask, um, you, like the only Black girl in your group of friends, or was it a diverse group of friends? Because I don't know how you grew up. Like, what, what were you- Right. Um, it
1: was definitely a diverse group. I think I hung out with a lot of um, women of color, so diverse in that sense. It was a, the friend group had a lot of women of color in it. Okay. Um, I think the reason why was just, like, All of my friends, I always clung to people that were very confident and had like a very strong sense of themselves and they were very blunt. So when they had something to say, they would say it. And I didn't, I don't have that personality and I wanted that personality so bad. And it was just like, I don't know how to beat you. So I'm going to hang out with you until I learn. And I never could. And it was just like, the more I tried, the weaker I felt. And it was just like, I can't talk to you about this because you don't, you're not that person. You don't have that personality. So you get it, but you don't like understand me completely and I was just like, it's kind of, not that they probably wouldn't have heard me, but I just knew that they wouldn't understand the way that I was seeing it, yeah. and so, like, writing was just really that helpful tool to, like, yeah. piece through all of that, but um, in terms of this book, yeah. I will say that it, I, writing poetry is kind of recent for me, because writing poetry is very personal, and I didn't like being that personal, right. um, so I started off writing, like, fiction, and then it slowly kind of got into poetry the more i got comfortable with exposing my truths
0: right that's, so how long ago did you start writing poetry
1: um and it was like just probably like a year ago it's very recent it's
0: wow. like <laughs> right now a year ago you started writing poetry you wrote this beautiful piece of work and it's published on amazon a year ago wow that's amazing that's so awesome yeah good job do you feel like um this book or your writing has changed you from the girl you were in high school to the woman you you are now
1: definitely I think um looking back on this book um it's just crazy to kind of read some not crazy but like it's kind of shocking to read some of the poems in the beginning because I felt every last bit of this emotion um I wasn't in the scenario directly but I felt the emotion of this and to read it and not be connected to that emotion anymore is just amazing to think of that shy little girl who would never talk out, would never speak up and just didn't want to voice her opinions to this person. That's like, read my stories, like read it, read it all. (laughs) It's so crazy, but it's so wonderful to see that um, there's something powerful about not just writing it and publishing it, but like allowing people to make an opinion about it. I think that's, what's so empowering to me. Like you're giving people a chance to see you and like, Think of something, like make a judgment about it, you know, and just like being comfortable with what they have to say. I think that's super empowering as well. And that's so much different than the girl who was like, I don't want to hear any opinion about me because I can't handle it. Like, yeah.
0: yeah. Wow. That's, you know, so you have a voice. This is so good, by the way. You have a voice and <laughs> definitely speaking up now with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, mm-hmm. Some of us know this has been going on for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. Um, over three maybe close to 400 years and now it's coming into a different type of way and we just have cameras at our fingertips right now mm-hmm. um, so since you have a voice right now how has this how has the Black Lives Matter movement affected you um personally and in your writing perhaps
1: right um I think the first reaction when it came to like seeing the protest um, was kind of fatigue cause it's like something that's just that it hits so close to home and you're aware of it so often that it's like, okay, here's another, here's another movement, you know? Like um, seeing so many people outrage was something that was shocking to me cause I didn't think it was gonna last this long. I thought it was just gonna be something quick and, and people are done with it. Um, and I think in terms of my writing, there's always, I always feel like a responsibility to write for my race and to write for being a black woman because of the fact that I know that we're often overlooked. And I know that people often make judgments about us because of our race and because of our gender. And so, um, I do, it's kind of crazy. It's going to sound weird, but like I do try to consciously write in a way that I'm not labeled as the African-American writer only because I know that that's like puts you in a box. And I feel like my voice is bigger than that box that you're trying to put me in. But at the same time, there's so much pride in being a Black woman that, like, I want people to understand that. And I want people to feel power from that. So I think with my writing, it's always, there's always been this thing in the back of my mind saying, like, you have to write to show your proudness and to show the love that you have for yourself in your community. Um, But it's not something that should dictate your writing, because ultimately when you like focus so much on the protest or on the killings it's just gonna make you like have so much hatred or have so much pain in your heart and that's gonna be in my opinion very insufficient for writing all the time because it's just gonna it's gonna ruin the creativity um but in terms of like my perspective through all of this um the emotions vary because it's like there's definitely the fatigue there and there's that kind of hope that people are now paying attention but it's like at the same time why did it take so long you know what I mean like why is it now just being something that people are hearing and people are like actually being upset about um and why is there still no justice for Breonna Taylor like the emotions like vary so much but at the end of the day you are grateful that people are actually trying to learn and they're serious about learning so (laughs)
0: yeah Um, i have a couple follow-up questions with that brianna taylor first of all only one officer got arrested i Mm. mean not even arrested i'm sorry he got his job terminated. he got fired (laughs) no one got arrested or convicted so Mm -hmm. that's, that's just horrible and one thing that stuck out to me um stood out to me what is what you said fatigue and i call it um racial uh racial fatigue that's when mm-hmm. people of color feel exhausted um from speaking about their experiences and whatnot can you explain what racial what fatigue in your words meant for means for you
1: mm-hmm. right um so yeah fatigue for me is just like there's only so much pain and suffering that you can physically hear and physically see on tv every day um Like, Sean King, I love his work, but, oh, it's so, it's so intense. Like, you can't watch him every day because it's just too painful. Right. Um, And it's just constantly seeing something that, as a Black person, you're told about. Like, we're told to be cautious. We're told to be warned about things like this. So to hear it at the magnitude that we're hearing it and seeing it, it's just like, we know this. We're very aware that there's a target on our back. Uh, It's kind of you kind of wish that you would stop hearing it because we don't need to be reminded of it constantly,
0: you know? Yeah, I know. I totally, I understand. I, I understand and I don't understand because I don't have, I'm a woman of color, but I'm not black American. I'm Indo-Caribbean American. And I never had to grow yeah. up with my family telling me what to do if I get pulled over by the cops or anything. And I never really heard about these kind of things growing up. Whereas it sounds like from what I'm hearing from me, it's already embedded in your culture. It's just something that, or your family is just something that you grew up aware of, and we're just all now getting light of it, so to speak,
1: mm-hmm. so. Yeah, yeah, it's not, for my family in particular, it wasn't like a set of rules that they told me, but you know, I'm from the South, so you're un, you're aware of how people view you, and you're I aware know. that there's certain neighborhoods that. Oh,
0: I think you did tell me, I did say you were from North Carolina, no, but you were born in Hawaii, sorry I cut you off. Like you told me, you can you talk about you just let that slide by. <laughs> a black <laughs> woman from the south, just let
1: that slide by. We <laughs> talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I definitely try to hide it. It's like it's kind of purposeful. I don't try to mention where I'm from because, like, oh please, what happened? But yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, we have um, an identity crisis going on here now. <laughs> 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 the south um, of let's t- talk about the south if you don't mind
1: yeah um so i grew up in north carolina um and it's really weird that north carolina is considered the south but it is um uh, and it's just more of a conservative state this is kind of considered the religious state of the country um so they have very like set ideals of what they view to be like standard true american living um both of my parents are from georgia like a very small town in georgia i'm from a small town here in north carolina and it's like you kind of i've never had somebody tell me like a set standard of rules but you kind of just know that certain places you're not allowed to be in at a certain time you you just know that there's certain groups that you don't come in contact with um like okay so for an instance my high school um it's like i i grew up in hope mills which is a small town but my high school has like this man-made town called gray's creek where everyone has this certain culture to them Mm -hmm. so in high school one of the rules for the girls was like you can't wear dresses or skirts that are above your knee and like i was wearing this dress one time that was like touching my knee and i had leggings and they fully covered the only thing that was showing was my arms And I got called to the principal's office. I wasn't allowed to go to school. My parents had to come pick me up so I could change just to be considered proper to go to school, like be in class. And nothing was showing but my arms. Yet at this very same school, they allow kids to wear Confederate flags on their shirts. And it's just like, you understand the idea. Like no one tells you about it, but you understand the culture. You know what people are thinking. And so it's like.
0: I, I, no, I said exactly. Yeah, I totally. Agree. Yeah. The Confederate flag, um, for me, represents slavery and mm-hmm. some of the values of the South. That's mm-hmm. what it that means to me. So that's, I'm sorry that to go through that. Whereas I felt like they body shamed you or shamed you for what you were wearing as a female. Yeah. And, but then, yeah, we're going to allow people to carry around the Confederate flag. Like, yeah. What standard is that? You know?
1: It's a very. I Do't want to say it was racially motivated, but when you looked at the women who were able to get away with wearing dresses and skirts, they right. were typically white women, whereas like women of color who you know have like more hips or thighs more booty. Um, we weren't allowed that yeah yeah <laughs> We weren't allowed that kind of luxury because it was just like appropriate inappropriate for us because they were afraid something would someone would see something or whatever, we yeah, um, were afraid of that, that's what they were afraid of, yeah. wow,
0: yeah. That's so unfortunate. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I had to go through
1: that. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's to be expected in that school and it's sad to say, but it's just like when you grow up in a certain environment, you're very aware of what they'll accept and what they can't. So it's never been like a set guideline for me, but it's just understanding the hidden microaggressions and the hidden ways they like look at you. Um, So yeah, you, you definitely see the world through a different lens around here than you do like anywhere else.
0: Yeah. Jamaria, you have such a colorful past and like the way you grew up. I'm serious. This this girl, this woman was born in Hawaii, grew up in the South and she's in San Francisco right riding- <laughs> <laughs> i get paid for it. I mean, for me it's I remember when I first met you Jamaria, you were so quiet and um and then i just saw you like in the past 2 years just evolve and be and be the confident person the confident woman that you are today it's it's so awesome to see that and to see your and to read your writing it's just if you had to make recommendations to people out there um on how to i guess um alleviate their symptoms of depression or any anxiety or, or feelings of sadness and loneliness, like the things you went through besides writing, what else do you think people can do mm-hmm. out there? What else do you think people can do out there as far as um, right, um, making themselves feel better, that sort of thing, getting out of a slump or depression? Yeah,
1: right, right. Um, <laughs> I think um one of the biggest things for me was that uh uh, my pastor told me to um positive affirmations so the same way that you would like talk to a plant in order to make sure that it sustains and grows itself um looking in your mirror and being just your own personal cheerleader i think one of the the affirmations that i said to myself was that like you're beautiful because that was one thing that i didn't believe in myself um it was like you're beautiful you're talented like you know you're so smart you're so creative like whatever affirmation Um, that you have for yourself and I would suggest whatever like whatever has gotten you in that depression so like for me it was my image so I made sure to always talk about myself being beautiful or being pretty because that was something that I didn't believe in so whatever you don't believe in yourself that's what you say to yourself about seven times in the mirror and then do that every day and when I did that I started believing it and I started getting that like courage and that hope back in me um, yeah. And It was a slow process. It's not going to be like an easy process to get out of that. It took me like two and a half years to get yeah. out of that slump. Um, it's a day by day thing. And I think the best thing to do is realize that there's going to be really high days for you and really low days for you. And while you're going through that, make sure you're talking to someone, even if it's just like a small conversation here or there, you need to talk to people um just to have that human interaction just to know that you are seen by someone just to know you are heard and you're not going through this alone isolation is like the best friend of depression it's the best friend of anxiety because it thrives in that environment it like thrives in that environment (laughs) wow yeah And, and it's just like yeah so being able to like get out of your comfort zone, talk, even if it's just to one person, just talk to somebody, um, affirm yourself, listen to music that soothes your soul, because there's a lot of music that sounds good, but really just makes you very anxious on the inside, makes you very sad on the inside, so being able to understand what music soothes you, that also helps, and it also eases that depression and that pain, um, and just take it day by day, and appreciate the fact that there is growth, even if it's not the way that you want it to be, there is always growth, that I saw and just like relying on the fact that you are growing because you're trying like growth in itself is you trying and if you see yourself trying more and more that's you growing. Um, yeah. That is
0: awesome. <laughs> awesome. Such great stuff, Jamaria. Such great stuff. Do um, have a poem you can read for us or not? Sure. Is there like a favorite poem of yours that you want to read? Oh my goodness. There's just so many. <laughs> Um, why don't you pick your, your favorite one, just just one, so okay. people can get a taste of um, your book, Blooming Petals. Um, but yeah, while you're looking for that, Jamari uses positive affirmations, positive self-talk, um, making sure you talk to other people. Um, also listening to music um, that soothes you, basically, because there's some music that sort of exasperates or perpetuates anxiety or makes you feel more anxious. Um, And you said isolation is depression's best friend. Oh my goodness. I love that
1: (laughs) (laughs) ready? Yes.
0: Yes. Awesome. What's the name? um,
1: Yeah, this is a final poem of my book. It's called, that's the point. Um, So yeah. Embrace the soft touch of destiny. Watch it bloom something beautiful inside you allow it room to grow. Water it daily, compliment it often, give it access to birth something out of that barren soul of yours. Don't hate it for taking longer than normal or resent it for waiting until it's proper time to come forth. It's aware of what it's doing. Its goal is not to share the spotlight with any other good thing in your life, nor to become outshadowed by any burden you may be carrying. What is developing on the inside of you is going to be responsible for shifting your paradigm. The world won't be the same when the seed blooms. And that's the point. You, like the seed patiently growing on the inside of you, was never meant to be stagnant. Instead, it was brought into your life as a reminder that your greatest moments are ahead of you. Happiness is within your grasp. Comfort is what's calling you. This seed is worthy of your consideration. So consider it. And all the wonderful things that can manifest from within.
0: And yeah. That's awesome, Jamiria, Everyone, <laughs> Thank you, Jamaria, for being on my podcast. And that was amazing. Her book is called Blooming Puddles. Her name is Jamaria Blaine and it's on Amazon. And can you give everyone your Instagram? And I wanna thank you for being so vulnerable and being on my podcast and talking about your book and telling us about your journey. Um, I really appreciate it. And can you give us your Instagram handle if anyone wants to get in touch with you?
1: Sure, um, thank you so much once again for having me and being able to talk to you. This was fun and Trisha's amazing as always. Um, that. My Instagram is uh Jamaria no, Blaine self-talk. Under- positive self talk. I love it. I it. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll be good. So, uh yeah, my Instagram name is um Jamaria Blaine underscore. So, um to spell it is J A M E R I A B L A I N and underscore. So if you want to follow me, go right ahead. If you aren't following Trisha with her podcast or core therapist, I'm saying that right, right? <laughs> the core this. therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Just follow her because she's amazing. <laughs> You're amazing.
0: Thanks so much for listening and thank you so much, Jamaria.
1: You're a blessing. Thank you. Thank you. He as well. Love you. Love you.